Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem. Amma ba'd fa'a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Rabbishrahli sadri wa yassirli amri. Wahlul uqtatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Inshallah today we will complete kitabu tahajjud. Inshallah. So we were on bab number 33. And we did the first hadith, correct? Yeah? So inshallah we'll begin with the second hadith. Okay. Bab number 33. Performing the duha prayer in hadar. Hadar is the opposite of safar. Safar meaning when a person is traveling and hadar when a person is at home, meaning in his hometown. Then can he pray salatul duha? Yes, he can. What's the proof of that? Qalahu Itban ibn Malikin anin Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is the report of the Sahabi Itban bin Malik radiallahu anhu where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to his house and he prayed salah in the morning and that was the time of duha. So we did the first hadith, we'll do the second hadith now. Haddathana Ali ibn al-Ja'ad akhbarana shu'batu an Anas ibn Sirin qala sami'tu Anas ibn Malikin al-Ansariya قَالَ قَالَ رَجْلٌ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ وَكَانَ ضَخْمًا Anas bin Malik al-Ansari radiallahu anhu He reported that قَالَ رَجْلٌ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ That a man from the Ansar said وَكَانَ ضَخْمًا And he was ضَخْم Meaning he was heavy in his body And as a result it was difficult for him to uh, go around easily So he said لِلنَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ To the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ that inni la astati'u salata ma'ak. I am not able to pray salah with you. Meaning I am not able to come to the masjid and pray salah with you because of his physical condition. His mobility was limited and it was very hard for him to go to the masjid regularly. So what happened? فَصَنَعَ لِلنَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ طَعَامًا So what happened? This man, he prepared some food for the Prophet ﷺ and then fadahu ila baytihi and he invited him to his house so this man said to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam i'm not able to pray in the masjid right so he wanted the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to come and pray in his house so he also wanted to serve the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam some food so he prepared some food and he invited him and then wanadha lahu tarafa hasirin bima'in Nadahalahu, he cleaned for him, washed up for him. Tarafa hasirin, the side of a mat. With what? Bima'in with water. Alright, and nadaha is basically to sprinkle. So he sprinkled some water on one side of a mat. Why? Why do you think? To freshen it up or to clean it. Fasalla alayhi raka'atain. And then the Prophet ﷺ performed two rak'at on that mat. وَقَالَ فُلَانُ بْنُ فُلَانِ بْنِ جَارُودٍ لِأَنَسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ That so and so said to Anas رضي الله عنه أَكَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُصَلِّ الضُّحَى Did the Prophet ﷺ pray duha? Meaning does this hadith mean that he used to pray duha? Because he came at such a time and he prayed salah in this man's house at such a time. فَقَالَ So Anas رضي الله عنه said that مَا رَأَيْتُهُ I did not see him صَلَّى غَيْرَ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ Perform this prayer except for that day. 
So Anas radiallahu anhu is saying that it was not the habit of the Prophet ﷺ to perform Salatul Duha. On this day, yes, he prayed. So Anas radiallahu anhu is also calling this prayer Salatul Duha, if you think about it. Alright? And then there are other narrations, other incidents in which we learn the Prophet ﷺ visited the houses of certain people. They requested him to pray. It was a time of Duha. He prayed at that time. Right? So all of these ahadiths, what they tell us is the significance of Salatul Duha, right? the fact that it is good to pray, it is good to perform this prayer, because it is proven from the sunnah, its reward is mentioned very clearly. However, in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, we see that it was not his habit. Right? It was not his habit. So this means that a person can sometimes perform this prayer, and at other times, leave it. That is also correct. Bab al-raka'ataini qabla al-zuhur. Now, earlier we learned about tahajjud, first of all. After that, we learned about salatul fajr, right? The sunan before fajr, the two raka'at, right? Then we learned about salatul duha, alright? After duha comes which prayer? Zuhur, right? So here, Imam Bukhari is mentioning all of the voluntary prayers that are to be performed in a day. Whether those voluntary prayers are connected with the fard prayers, or they are completely separate from the fard prayers. Right? So tahajjud is voluntary. Right? We learned about that. Then we learned about the sunnah of fajr. Right? It is connected with the fajr prayer. Then we learned about duha. Right? Which is not connected to any fard prayer. But it is a prayer, a voluntary prayer. Now, zuhur salah. So, raka'atain, two raka'at, qabla zuhur, before zuhur. This is referring to the two sunnah before zuhur prayer. Alright? And the time of this prayer will be between the adhan of zuhur and the fard. Okay? Remember that when it comes to the sunnah of, let's say, zuhur. Okay? or the sunnah of fajr. When do you perform that sunnah? Before the adhan? No, after the adhan. Meaning once the time enters, then you perform the sunnah. After performing that sunnah, then you perform the fard. If you happen to be in the masjid, the adhan is made, there is some time until the iqamah. So the time between the adhan and the iqamah is when you perform this prayer. Okay. So here we learn about two rak'at. What is the proof of that? حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا حماد بن زيد عن أيوب عن نافع عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال ابن عمر رضي الله عنه said that حفظت من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عشر كعات حفظت I took by heart I have memorized meaning I have taken this to my heart what from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم عشر ركعات ten ركعات Meaning, I know that the Prophet ﷺ performed them, and I will also perform them. What are these ten raka'at? He lists them. Raka'ataini qabla zuhur. Two raka'at before zuhur. Wa raka'ataini ba'daha. And two raka'at after zuhur. How many are there now? Four. Wa raka'ataini ba'da al-maghrib. Two raka'at after maghrib. How many now? Six. Fi baytihi in his house, meaning after Maghrib Salat, the Prophet ﷺ would go to his house and he would perform two rak'at over there. 
وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ فِي بَيْتِهِ And two rak'at after Isha in his house. How many now? Eight. وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ قَبْلَ صَلَاةِ الصُّبْحِ And two rak'at before the morning prayer, meaning before the fajr prayer. So how many are there? Ten. So he said, these ten rak'at the Prophet ﷺ would observe, and I also observe them. وَكَانَتْ سَاعَةً And he said, and there was an hour, meaning a time of day, لَا يُدْخَلُوا عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِيهَا In which no one would go to the Prophet ﷺ, meaning no one would go to his house, interrupt him. This was his time. And the Sahaba respected this time. So how did he find out about what the Prophet ﷺ did at that time? حَدَّثَتْنِي حَفْصَةُ His sister... He said that Hafsa reported to me that أَنَّهُ كَانَ إِذَا أَذَّنَ الْمُؤَذِّنِ That when the Mu'addin would make the Adhan, وَطَلَعَ الْفَجْرُ And the time of Fajr would come, صَلَّى رَكَعَتَيْنِ The Prophet ﷺ would perform two rak'at. Now which time is this? That Ibn Umar is mentioning that this time no one would go to the Prophet ﷺ. The time of rak'atain qabla salatul subh. The time before Fajr prayer. Right? Nobody would go to his house at that time. Nobody would even go and knock and disturb him. This was his time. Right? And the Sahaba respected that. So how did Ibn Umar find out about what the Prophet ﷺ would pray at that time? Through his sister who was the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. Right? So here in this hadith we learn about 10 rak'at and these are known as Sunan al-Ratiba. Right, Sunan al-Ratiba, which we generally call Sunnah. Okay, the Sunnah prayer. Like for example, we say, I'm done my fault, I have to do my Sunnah. Alright? So, or I just did my Sunnah. So this is Sunan Ratiba. And from this narration we learn that there are ten rak'at in the day and night. Alright? But is this only ten? No. It's not only ten. Because, let's look at the next hadith. حَدَّثَنَا مُسَدَّدٌ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَىٰ عَنْ شُعْبَةَ عَنْ إِبْرَاهِيمَ بْنِ مُحَمَّدِ بْنِ الْمُنْتَشِرِ عَنْ أَبِيهِ عَنْ عَائِشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا Now here there's a narration of the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, Aisha رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا And what is she saying? She's saying that أَنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ That the Prophet ﷺ, he would not leave four raka'at. Qabla dhuhri, before dhuhr. Four raka'at before dhuhr, the Prophet ﷺ would never leave them. وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ قَبْلَ الْغَدَاتِ And two raka'at before the ghadat. What is ghadat? بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ hmm? What is ghadat? Morning. Right? So she's referring to Fajr. Right? The two rak'at before Fajr, he would never leave them. تَابَعُهُ بْنُ أَبِي عَدِيٍ وَعَمْرٌ عَنْ شُعْبَةً So in this hadith, what do we see? Aisha radiallahu is saying that the Prophet ﷺ would never leave four rak'at before Dhuhr and two rak'at before Fajr. So here we see four rak'at before Dhuhr. In the narration of Ibn Umar radiallahu we see how many? Two. Now what does this mean? Is this a contradiction? Is this a contradiction? No. You see, the Prophet ﷺ would pray in the masjid 
and he would also pray at home. So there were some actions of the Prophet ﷺ that the Sahaba were very familiar with because they witnessed him perform those actions. And other actions that they did not know about. Why? Because he performed them in the privacy of his home, of his house. So who was a witness to those actions? His family. So now Ibn Umar is saying two, and Aisha anha is saying four. So how do we understand this? First of all, we can understand this as that it is possible that Ibn Umar anhu only saw the Prophet ﷺ perform two rakat. How? Perhaps he performed four rakat at home, and upon entering the masjid, he would perform two rakat. Aisha anha always saw him performing four rakat at home. Ibn Umar always saw him performing two rakat in the masjid. So you see what's happening? You see what's happening? Aisha anha is seeing four, Ibn Umar is seeing two. Is this a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction. Because we learn from other ahadiths that the Prophet ﷺ encouraged the people to pray at home also. Because those who regularly attend the masjid right, for prayers then they should not make their homes into graveyards. Places where salah is not performed at all. So the Prophet ﷺ would pray salah at home and also in the masjid. Right? And it is also possible that the Prophet ﷺ would sometimes perform two and other times perform four. But from the narration of Aisha ﷺ, we can say that most of the time he would perform four. Right? Most of the time he would perform four before Dhuhr and sometimes he would perform two. But both are correct and valid. Alright? Both are correct. Like for example, sometimes what happens is that you are in a rush. Right? Or you are at work. In the winter what happens is the time of Dhuhr is very limited. Right? So at that time, you've just been given a ten minute break. Right? Do you completely abandon the sunnah before Zuhr? Don't abandon it. If you cannot perform four, at least perform two. How do we distinguish that he did the two rakah and those were not greeting the mosque as opposed to that being a sunnah? So it, it's, it's an explanation that the ulama have given. One explanation. Another is that it is possible that majority of the times he performed four rakah, sometimes he performed two. Right? Instead of four, he performed two. And that is the action that Ibn Umar witnessed. And that is the action that he adopted. Right? Okay. Now, with regards to the four rakat before Zuhr, in a hadith we learn, and this hadith is in An Nasa'i, the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever prays four rakat before Zuhr and four after it, the fire will not touch him. Four rakat before Zuhr and four after. The fire will not touch him. In another hadith, which is in At-Tirmidhi, we learn whoever regularly performs four rakat before Zuhr and four after it, Allah will forbid him to the fire. So these, these sunan, they are a protection from the fire of hell. If you think about it, you perform this prayer at a time of extreme heat also. And these days we're feeling the heat. Right? At this time it is extremely hot. So remembering Allah at this time? Yesterday what happened with me? 
it was quite hot yesterday and I didn't realize that the area that I was going to pray in, you know, as the moment that you walk in, you don't realize it's hot. Right? Once I started my prayer, it was so hot because no window was open, there was no fan, nothing at all. It was so hot, I felt the heat. Felt it. Now imagine if you are taking, we have the relief of turning on a fan, turning on the air conditioning, going to a cooler side of the building. But the Sahaba did not. And when you have to, you know, pray at a time when you're hot, when you want to be drinking or relaxing or, you know, walking around or doing something to cool yourself down, it's very difficult to pray. But making yourself pray at such a time, this is a means of protection from hell. Now, in the first hadith, we learned about ten raka'at. Right? Ten raka'at that Ibn Umar would guard throughout the day and night. And this is the ten sunan ratiba. There is another hadith, which is in Sahih al-Jamir, which tells us that the Prophet wasallam said that a house will be built in paradise for the one who prays twelve raka'at in a day and evening. Okay? Meaning in the 24 hours, he performs 12 rak'at, and these 12 rak'at are besides the fard. Alright? And these 12 rak'at are specific 12 rak'at. Which ones are they? They're mentioned in the hadith. Four rak'at before dhuhr, and two after dhuhr. That is how many? Six. Two after maghrib. Eight. Two after isha. Ten. And two before Fajr, twelve. So, with regards to the ten rakat, yes, the action is proven, meaning it is reported authentically by Ibn Umar anhu. So it would be correct for a person to observe ten rakat sunan in a day and night. But for twelve, is there any further benefit? Is there any further benefit? What is that benefit? A house in Jannah is built for a person who does this. Now, one thing I would like to mention is that, you know, in Ramadan, what happens with Maghrib? What happens generally? We leave the Sunnah. We rush it. And I've seen many people being lazy with the two rakat of the Sunnah after Maghrib. How long does it take? How long does it take? I mean, think about it. We've been hungry all day. Wallah, all day. You haven't had a sip of water. You haven't had that food. It's okay if you spend, you know, three, four minutes performing two rakat. And it doesn't have to be very long. It can be short, quick. Isn't it? The Prophet ﷺ performed voluntary prayer like that, Correct. So much so that Aisha anha would wonder, did he even recite Surah Fatiha? It was that quick, that short. So it doesn't take very long to perform two rakat, but what happens is that we leave it one day, then we leave it another day, and then if we've left the sunnah of Maghrib, then we can leave the sunnah of some other prayer also, and then, you know, it's gone. Sometimes we're just sitting. My advice is, as soon as you're done your fault, I mean, ideally, yes, you should sit down and do your adhkar, Right? But what is better than the akkar at that time would be to perform salah. Right? Because salah is also dhikr. Aqimi salata li dhikri. Salah includes dhikr. Right? Yes, 
you know, saying subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allah, 33 times each is good. If you cannot do 33 times, at least do 10 times. Even that is reported authentically. 10 times subhanallah, 10 times alhamdulillah, 10 times Allahu Akbar. And get up and pray to rakat immediately. Don't delay. Don't start talking. Right? And I know as mothers, it does get challenging because the food is ready. People are waiting. And sometimes the food is like half done, you know, because we want to make sure that it's nice and sizzling and hot as it is served. So we want to, you know, do, do the last few things right after salah. It's okay. Your family has been, alhamdulillah, fasting, waiting all day. They can wait for a few more minutes. And if you guard your sunnah, inshaAllah, your family will also do it. Right? So our actions affect other people. Don't wait for others to get up for sunnah. You get up. Right? Because the reward is significant. Okay. Yes. think all of them knows that they're, they're familiar with about the Salah and stuff. Well, like some of them people is just coming for the masjid for the first time in their life in the masjid. <laughs> so whatever you do action, sometimes they're approaching you. They said, sister, what you did just now. And never know your act, whatever you're doing. You don't even know them, but it will be motivating some other person to just stand and to, to recover. Exactly. It. it happens. Doesn't it happen with you? that you are thinking, should I pray or not? And you see somebody get up and pray, and you're like, I got to get up and pray too. All right? So when you see other people doing something good, you are encouraged. So be an encouragement for others also. And you see, sometimes what happens is we go to the masjid for iftar. Right? Everybody's sitting, you know, waiting for iftar. But then what happens? Sunnah, nobody pays attention to. Very few people guard it. I just had a question. So the Prophet ﷺ, did he pray four before and four after duhr or just two after duhr? Okay, so there are narrations that mention even four after zuhr. Okay. Okay. So again, you see the hadith about the twelve rakat guarding the twelve rakat. That should be like the bare minimum. If you want to add to it, go ahead. If sometimes, due to some reason, you're not able to guard the 12, reduce it to 10, okay, that's also fine. Ibn Umar, that's what, what he understood, that's what he did, that's what he taught. Right? But make 12 your average. Right? Sometimes more, sometimes less. It's okay. Assalamu alaikum. When Adam have been, uh, like Adam being called at home, or 9 or 3, uh, supposed to be a full time, Kids sit down and start eating. And so Salah is going to be gone. No, I mean, it's still time. How long is it supposed to be from the time the 9.03 started after until the Salah may be already gone? I mean, um, you can perform the prayer as long as it is within its time. And its time is until darkness settles in, technically. But there's a difference between Praying at the earliest time, right? And praying at a later time. Both are valid. Both are valid. But there is a difference in reward. Okay? Uh, when the Prophet ﷺ was asked about the best deed, he said, As-salatu ala waqtiha. That at its proper time. Meaning, as the time enters, you pray immediately. Right? So, the thing is that 
this is what I have experienced that once you start eating you know it's difficult to stop it's difficult so just drink your water right break your fast and pray immediately right and sometimes you know as women sometimes you may be in a rush where you do have to finish preparing the food and other people will be waiting for you. So at such times, I, I don't even eat a date, I just drink water because the Prophet ﷺ would break his fast just with water also. Because the thing with the date is that then it's in your mouth and you have to chew and drink more water and spend more time swallowing it, right? Or you have to go rinse your mouth. But this is quick, right? The point is, don't sacrifice your prayer for the sake of worldly things, right? Okay, did you want to say something? Yeah, go ahead. I just want to share a story. I, once I read this uh, young girl, she hear ice, uh, ice cream truck and she did sajda right away, saying thank you to Allah. And they asked her, why did you do sajda? She said, when I see my mom, whenever she's happy, she, she do sajda, sajda shukr for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the key is whatever they, they see, what we do, they do. So if we pray sunnah al-maghrib, they will pray. So we have to be example. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Bab al-salati qabla al-maghrib, salah before maghrib. After zuhur, maghrib? Where did Asr go? So what's happening here? He mentioned zuhur, the salah before zuhur. Right? And now maghrib. Because there are reports that mention the voluntary prayer that is linked with salatul asr. But those narrations are not at the standard of Imam Bukhari, which is why he did not record them. However, they are authentically reported in other books. For example, there is a hadith in At-Tirmidhi which says the Prophet ﷺ said that may Allah have mercy on the one who prays four raka'at before the asr prayer. Now, remember that these four raka'at before asr, they're not of the Sunan Ratiba. Because you see, in the narration of Ibn Umar, those four raka'at are not mentioned. Isn't it? Likewise, in the other narration that I mentioned to you, the 12 rakat of the night and the day, again, the four rakat of Asr are not mentioned. So they're not of Sunan Ratiba. However, you could say that they are mustahab. Scholars have said that these four rakat are mustahab. Meaning if a person performs them, it is good. If he leaves them, no harm. Now, when will these four rakat be performed? After the adhan of Asr, before performing the fard. You understand? Before performing the fard. Now what happens is that sometimes, you know, you're at the masjid. You go to the masjid, you hear the adhan, now you're just sitting and waiting for the salah to begin. Can you use that time to perform four rakat? Yes, you can. Why not? You're at home, it's your day. You know, everybody's gone for iftar or something, and you're on your own. You have all the time to yourself. May you have that. But in that time, can you perform four rakat like this? Certainly you can. Now, as-salat qabla al-maghrib, prayer before maghrib. Before maghrib, of course, what is meant is before the fard of maghrib. Okay, meaning once the adhan is made, and before iqama, performing a prayer during this time. So basically, all of these prayers are between the adhan and iqama. Okay? حدثنا أبو معمر حدثنا عبد الوارث عن الحسين عن ابن بريدة قال حدثني عبد الله المزني عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said 
Sallu qabla salatil maghrib Pray before the maghrib prayer Qala fi thalitha And he said in the third time Liman sha'a Whoever that wants to do it Karahiyata an yattakhidaha nasu sunnatan Out of this like that people may take it as a sunnah What does it mean by this hadith? We see that the Prophet ﷺ said to the people, "Sallu qabla salatil maghrib. Pray before the maghrib prayer. And he said this how many times? Three times. And the third time, he added something. He said, liman sha'a. Whoever that wants to do it. Why did he say liman sha'a? Firstly, he said it three times, emphasizing that you should pray, you should pray, you should pray. And then he said, whoever wants to. Why did he say whoever wants to? Out of dislike that people may take it as a sunnah. What is meant by sunnah here is sunnah ratiba. Okay? Otherwise, if a person were to perform these two rakat regularly, or this salah regularly before maghrib, it would be a sunnah. Why would it be a sunnah? Because the Prophet ﷺ instructed us to do it three times. He emphasized it. Right? But... He said, liman sha'a, out of fear that people may take it as a sunnah ratiba. Alright? Now, it is mustahab to perform two raka'at before maghrib, meaning after the yadan is made. And if it was not mustahab, if it was not recommended, the Prophet ﷺ would not have instructed the people to do it. حدثنا عبد الله بن يزيد قال حدثنا سعيد بن أبي أيوب قال حدثني يزيد بن أبي حبيب قال سمعت مرثد بن عبد الله اليزنية So Marthad, he's reporting that قال أتيت عقبة بن عامر الجهني He said, I came to عقبة بن عامر الجهني and فقلت رضي الله عنه and I said to him ألا أعجبك من أبي تميم Doesn't Abu Tamim amaze you, surprise you? Abu Tamim, this is Abdullah ibn Malik al-Jayshaniyu. Okay, Abu Tamim is who? Abdullah ibn Malik al-Jayshaniyu. He was a tabi'i. Who's a tabi'i? Who's a tabi'i? The generation after the Sahaba. Right, the people who were Muslim and they met the companions. Okay, Abdullah ibn Malik, Malik, M-A-L-I-K, Al-Jayshani Jayshani Okay So he was a tabi'i And it is said that he actually embraced Islam In the time of the Prophet ﷺ But he never met the Prophet ﷺ So that's how he's a tabi'i and not a sahabi His kunya is Abu Tamim He was not from Medina He came to Medina in the time of Umar anhu, And then he participated in the conquest of Egypt and then he settled in Egypt. Okay, that's where he lived. So here, what happened? Marthat bin Abdullah, he saw Abu Tamim doing something and he found it strange. So he went to Uqba bin Amir and he said, Allah or Jibuka min Abi Tamim? Doesn't he amaze you? Isn't it strange? Yarka'u raka'ataini qabla salatul maghrib. He performs two raka'at before the maghrib prayer. Like why? He's, he's shocked. Why does he do that? After the adhan, before the iqamah, he performs two raka'at. فَقَالَ عُقْبَ 
So Uqba said, Inna kunna naf'aluhu ala ahdi Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We used to do this in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning it's not anything strange. Qultu, so I said, meaning Marthad is saying that I asked Uqba radiallahu anhu, that فَمَا يَمْنَعُكَ الْآنِ then what prevents you now? Meaning, how come you don't do it now? I've never seen you doing it. You said that you used to do it then. Why don't you do it now? He said, being busy. Because Uqba bin Amir, I mean, he was given a certain position, a certain role to perform. And with that, he had to be available for the people. So it wasn't possible for him to do it. Right? So from this hadith also, what do we learn? That it is mustahab to perform two raka'at when? After the adhan of Maghrib, before the iqama or before performing the fard.